At this time, it is our departure time before we can shut the aircraft door and taxi from the gate. All passengers must be in their seats with their luggage stowed and the overhead bins closed. We do ask that you kindly take your seat as quickly as possible. Thank you. It's time to join your guide, Jim Ayer, for an exciting 12-episode journey into remodeling your life. You're going to discover that God's transforming power is real, and He's ready to provide that power to you. Now here's your guide, Jim Ayer, to take you on the journey of a lifetime, an amazing and dynamic experience with God. Because my work requires a great deal of travel, I spend a lot of time in airplanes. On occasion, I'll take a window seat so I can enjoy the amazing views. Flying at 30,000 feet above the earth offers expansive vistas of vast snow-covered mountain ranges, color patterns that dazzle the senses, patchwork fields and crops, lakes and dams. Why, the list is almost endless. And here's my point. The view is very different when standing at the base of a massive dam, looking up at the gigantic concrete walls as opposed to flying over the dam, the lake it holds, and the extensive forest-covered mountain ranges that contains it all. Flying above our world offers a different perspective, and the same is true when studying the Bible. We're going to fly over Matthew 5 to 10 today so you can experience vistas that you may not have seen before. All electronic devices, all cameras, Kindles, iPods, anything with an on-off switch must be in the off position. And once again, we cannot leave the gate until all passengers are seated and all overhead bins are closed. Thank you. It was on a grassy slope, something like this, that Jesus sat with thousands of people overlooking the Sea of Galilee. Why, it was a, it was a gorgeous day, basically just like this. And he's talking to them about the things they've never heard of from a religious teacher before. In all the world, they'd not found another message like this one found in Matthew chapter 5, 6, and 7. You can read the, the studies of the, the Bhagavad Gita. You can read the Koran, the Pali text, the I Ching. But you know, you're never going to find anything quite like the Sermon on the Mount. It changed lives. It changed men who take them from drunkards and make them saints. It takes thieves and, and makes them beautiful people in Jesus Christ. <laughs> Children of the King. Why, these are living words from the Creator God of the universe. In the first 11 verses, you find the, the blessed text. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are they that mourn, for they shall be comforted. These all change people's lives. I, I went all through school with a friend of mine. His name was Larry Bassett. Larry was always better at everything than I was. I mean, we were in every sport, and Larry beat me in everything. It was like, you know, there wasn't anything I could do that Larry was just better. And uh, I remember one time I heard that Larry was sick and he'd contracted a disease and I began visiting actually in a home. They had to put him in a home. I went to see him and I'd play the guitar for him from time to time. And, and uh, this one time I asked him a little more of his story and he said, you know, he said, I went to college on a basketball scholarship. While I was at college, I was introduced to Jesus Christ and I accepted Christ into my life. And it was shortly thereafter I got slammed with this disease. He said, it's, it's been a terrible disease. And I said, Larry, would you have changed anything? Would you have changed anything in life? And he said, no, I wouldn't have changed a thing. 
wouldn't have changed anything. You see, these first 11 verses, well, they're such a blessing. They give us strength and a blessing in, in following Jesus Christ. They're powerful words. They're real. They're living words. You know, and then next Jesus began to move to the part that really strikes at the foundation of hypocrisy. Chapter 5, verse 20 says, For I say to you that except your righteousness shall exceed the righteousness of the scribes and Pharisees. Oh, my, you shall in no case enter the kingdom of heaven. Here he's, why well, he rips apart everything that they're thinking about. He says, you know, hey, if you're not better than the church leaders, you're just not going to make it to heaven. So again, Jesus moves from that external, from the outside of how you look. You know, the, the scribes and the Pharisees, they all want to look really great before everybody put up a good front. But Jesus brings it now on the inside of the heart. What's going on in your heart? What's happening in your heart? He sought to call them back to God, you know, with the plan of a changed heart. He didn't want them just to look good on the outside. He wanted them to look good on the inside too, to be good on the inside. Well, Jesus went on here and he continued to. He said, if your right eye offends you, then pluck it out. If your right hand offends you, cut it off. This was serious business. He wanted to take everything and move them from this, all this external area into a real relationship with God. You see, it's all about God. <laughs> you can do nothing to change your own life. You and I can't do anything to change our own lives. Maybe you've tried. You know, I, I've certainly tried to do it on my own. But when we give the Holy Spirit permission to enter our lives, Wow, it, it changes us. It's God that comes inside, lives in us, and it's God that actually does the changing inside of us. So my question today, you know, will, will you allow God? Will you allow God to fully and completely change you, to allow Him entrance into your heart? Because, you know, the Holy Spirit is like this burning fire. He comes inside of you, and He burns out the sin inside you. It's not you doing it. It's not me doing it. But God burns out the sin completely in our lives. He's promised it. He's promised it. He doesn't want to just leave us where we are. He wants to lift us higher and higher and higher. Could something be missing in your walk with Christ, but you're not sure what it might be or what to do about it? The Review and Herald has the answer. The book Transformation will lead you step by step on the journey of a lifetime. You'll be surprised at how easily changes in your life occur as you focus on the power of God. You see, it's all about God, the God who loves you and wants to transform you. Call today, 800-876-7313, or log on to transformationinfo.com. You know, Jesus really, from... Uh chapter 5 into chapter 6 and 7, he really didn't miss a beat. I mean, it's just a continuation. He was just continuing on right where he was in, in the, you know, the original Bibles, there, the text, there were no punctuation marks or anything. You know, it was just continuing on, no chapters. So this is just all part of the same thing. But then he, right away, he jumps into the hypocrisy of many of the leaders, many of the people of the church of the day. You know, don't do as the hypocrites do. Don't be like the hypocrites. And who were the hypocrites? The church leaders. You know, they were the ones who, who walked around the, everywhere and, and uh, they were the ones who, who uh, tried to look great in front of everybody. They wanted the highest places. They wanted the best places so they could, they could give all or get all the accolades from everybody. But he said, no, no, that, that's not 
what my kingdom's all about. That's not what it's about at all. You see, he said in verse 3 or 2, these people, they already have their reward. That's it. What they get, you know, when everybody gives them the platitudes and the best places and everything, they've got their reward. They're not going to be in heaven. So it's a whole, we've got to totally adjust our mindset as we think about these things. You kind of start asking, well, again, how can I get there? And the Lord really then goes into prayer. It's, it's all about prayer. I like what uh, Ellen White says, prayer is the key in the hand of faith to unlock heaven's storehouse where are treasured the boundless resources of omnipotence. Amazing statement. You want to tie into the boundless resources of omnipotence? There's the key, prayer. Prayer, your audience, your audience with God, the king of the universe. And you can have that audience at any time, any place, anywhere, because his word is a living word. You know, in, uh, I think it's uh, 2 Timothy, Paul says to Timothy, you know, it's, it's a living word. It's, it's an exciting word of God. When we, when we study, when we open his word, we're encountering the God of the universe right there. So Jesus begins to talk with him about a particular way to pray. Verse 9, our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be your name, giving him praise. Give us this day our daily bread. And he continues on, for thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Contains a lot of giving praises to God. You know, how often do I, how often do you wake up in the morning and, and just start praising God? You know, I, I loved what a fellow once said years ago. He said, if you wake up in the morning, you don't have anything to praise God about, hold your breath for five minutes and then see if you've got anything to praise God about. You know? Well, how many of us here can hold our breath for five minutes? Probably not many of us, especially me. You know, I use my little asthma thing from time to time. But so I can praise God for breath, for life. And that's the way we should start out our, our day, is, is looking to God and uplifting and praising Him. Then he continues on, Lay not up for yourselves treasure in heaven, where moth and rust is corrupt, but lay up for yourselves treasure in heaven where neither rust or moth is corrupt. Totally different thing. You know, we want to gather on this earth. We want to gather all the things. How often you turn on television, what's it about? You know, it's about getting the new boat, the new car, the new Harley, the new this, the new that. All of our thinking is focused on the things of this earth. And God says, hey, it's all going to, it's all going to, you know, the moths are going to eat it up. The rust is going to destroy it. Eventually, the fires of the second coming are going to wipe it out. So what are the really important things? In verse 24, he gets right down to it now. He says, no man can serve two masters, for either he'll hate the one and he'll, you know, hold to the other. He'll despise one or despise other. You cannot serve God and mammon or money or the things of this life or the devil, really. You can't serve both of them. You can't get on the fence and try and walk that fence all along the way. So question comes, what is our focus? You know, what is your focus? What is my focus? What are the things that are really important in this life? Verse 33, but seek ye first the kingdom of God, and all these things will be added unto you. God wants us to prosper. He said, I would that thou would prosper and be in health. So he does want us to prosper. But the way to really prosper is grab a hold first of the things of God, the things of the kingdom. And then he'll give us these other things, you know, as just to keep us going on planet Earth while we're still here, in our, in our journey here. And then he goes on right immediately into chapter 7. Hypocrite. You know, if you, if you say, point to somebody else, say, look at you, look at you, what's the matter with you? Hey, hypocrite, first cast out the beam out of your own eye. 
so that you can see clearly, then you can cast out the mote out of your brother's eye. Some, some people today talk about, well, you know, we can't judge anybody else. It's interesting what the Lord's saying here. What does he tell us? He said, look, you can take the mote out of your brother's eye, but first work on your own life. And once your own life, you have the power of God living in you, they have the transforming power in you when you begin getting it together with God in your life, then you can go help your brother. And it's help, it's not point a finger at. <laughs> it's help your brother or your sister. Big difference, big difference. Then he, he, he goes on here and he enters into a really interesting area that causes a lot of people a lot of struggle. Verse 13, enter ye in at the straight gate. For wide is the gate, broad is the way that leads to destruction. And many are going to find that gate because the gate is wide. But the Lord says, I need you to enter in at the straight gate, the narrow gate. Lord, the narrow gate? How do I ever make it to the narrow gate if most of the world is going to the wide gate? Well, again, it's all about a personal relationship. The Lord says, this is life eternal, that they might know me, the only true God and Jesus Christ whom I've sent. It's all about a friendship and a fellowship. The knowing there is basically like Adam knew his wife and they conceived a child. It's very personal. It's very intimate. So do you know Jesus? That's what it's all about. Do you really know Jesus? And when you know Jesus, when he becomes your very best friend, then you're willing to surrender the things of this world. They become meaningless because you've found a very, very best friend. Will you accept Jesus totally into your life to allow him to become your best friend? to allow him to, to change you so you can easily then walk into that straight gate because that's what it's all about is allowing God to guide and direct our steps. He says, this is the way. Walk you in it. Walk in that, walk in that way. But again, it's your choice. So how many of you will choose today to do that? Huh? Anybody here? You choose? All right. Praise the Lord. Jim and Janine Eyre have created a 12-week study guide designed to lead you into a deeper and more meaningful walk with Christ. If you're a brand new Christian or have been going to church your entire life, this guide is for you. It's perfect for individual study or for an entire group. The greatest gift you can give to your church or your family is Transformation, the 12-week study guide. Order today by calling 800-876-7313 or log on to transformationinfo.com. When Jesus finished chapters 5, 6, and 7, they begin coming down the mountain. They were finished with that three days of time up on the mountain. When they came down, people are thinking, there's multitudes following him, and they're thinking, where do I get this power that he's talking about? Where do I, I come up with, with the energy, the fortitude to, to do what he's asked? But it's interesting because Jesus starts right in. The devil slams Jesus as soon as he comes down into the lower levels near the lake. The devil hits him time after time after time and immediately a leper came to him and said, Lord, heal me, heal me. And Jesus put forth his hand in the touch of the king of the universe, the creator God, the touch. Immediately his leprosy was gone. And it continues on. Peter's mother, Peter's mother is sick. She has a fever. Jesus reaches down and touches her and lifts her up and she's healed. Immediately again, the touch, the fever was gone. And then we find there's a, a centurion where the list continues on. Actually, there are 
There are about 10 different major miracles just in chapters 8 and 9. Well, I love it. There's one that is one of my favorites because this lady had heard about Jesus. I don't know exactly where she'd heard about him, but she'd heard about Christ. And she thought, if I can just touch him, maybe I'll be healed. You see, she'd spent a long time with doctors. She'd spent a lot of money on doctors, and she could not be healed. Just, it didn't happen. But she'd heard so much about Jesus, she just knew in her heart, if I can just touch him, I'll be healed. Well, by the time she found Christ, there was people crowding all over, everywhere. And she couldn't get to him, but she finally got down on her hands and knees. And there on her hands and knees, she crawled through the crowd. And she finally reached out and she touched the hem of his garment. And immediately, immediately she was healed. Oh, and she crawled back out and she went away rejoicing. She, she got out of the crowd and she started going away. And Jesus stopped. Jesus turned around and said, who touched me? The disciples all say, but, you know, Lord, look at all the crowd around you, and you say, who touched you? People are pressing on you from every side. He said, yes. He said, I felt virtue go out of me. And then he looks, and he sees this lady. He knows who it is. He sees this lady and says, daughter. <laughs> this lady had never been called daughter. He never, Jesus never called anyone daughter that I know of in the scriptures before either. But daughter, come here. She wanted, you know, she wanted to be left alone, kind of. She wanted to secretly go away, but Jesus called her to him and had a wonderful conversation why this lady's heart, when she finally went away, she was just thrilled. She was joyous over talking with the, the master, with the, the Lord of the universe. Oh, you see, it's the touch of Jesus Christ, his touch. Jesus would walk through entire towns. He'd come in one gate and go out the other, and everybody in the town would be healed, everybody. There wasn't anybody that, that wouldn't be healed by the master's touch. Over in, in chapter 9, we find an interesting thing. He says, verse 36, But when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion on them, because they were, they were as sheep having no shepherd. They were scattered everywhere as a sheep having no shepherd. Jesus wanted to come here to planet Earth to dispel the lies of the devil. The devil's lied to us so much. I, I remember a time when a big old limb fell across our, our van and it crushed the top of our van. And I called the insurance company and I said, can, can you do something here? And they said, no, 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 that's an act of God. I said, what do you mean an act of God? I said, can I, can I uh, take you to court and I'll prove it's an act of the devil, then what? <laughs> well, there was dead silence on the other end. Because you see, the devil has tried to portray throughout human history that it's all God's fault. We're stuck here on this planet with all this, all this evil, all the heartache, all the troubles, the trials, and they blame it on God. But it's all the devil's fault. It's all about the devil in that case. It's not God's. God has come here to show us his love. He came here on planet Earth to show us that he will set us free. When we call out to God, he will kick the devil out. He will change things. When we call out to God, he will change our lives fully and completely. And, and that's what God is inviting you to do, to invite him in as he stands and knocks at the door of your heart, of your temple. He wants to remodel your life. And you invite him in. He'll do just that. He has the power. He's got the, the explosive power as the king of the universe to change your life. So invite him in today, will you?
Now is your opportunity to purchase Jim Air's entire transformation package at one low price. You will receive the book, the 12-week study guide, and the 12-episode DVD series. Each item will offer you, your family, and your church the tools to transform a dull, lifeless Christian experience into a vibrant and victorious life. This will truly be an investment for eternity. Call today, 800-876-7313, or log on to transformationinfo.com. You know, this home was built in the 1700s. During that period, the famous preacher John Wesley said, Give me 100 men who fear nothing but sin and desire nothing but God and care nothing whether they be clergymen or laymen. They alone will shake the gates of hell and set up the kingdom of heaven here upon earth. Well, here I am in the 21st century and God is still looking for such men and women. Men and women he can trust with his explosive power. We discover Jesus conferring unbelievable power in Matthew 10 on his disciples. He called the disciples together and gave them this power. He said, here, I give it to you. Now, there are two types of power. One is the, the ekosia power. In the Greek, it means the authority. He conveys upon them the authority. The other is the dunamis power, the, the dynamite power, the explosive power. It's where we get our English word for dynamite. It is absolutely explosive. As the creator of the universe and ruler of all, God has the authority to command. Both his authority and explosive power were and are combined to defeat the devil and his evil angels. <laughs> That's why when the 70 followers of Christ returned, they were so joyful because they said, even the devils are subject unto your name. They were absolutely amazed at the power God had given them. Look, I've read my Bible from cover to cover and God never loses. Anytime he goes toe-to-toe -to -toe with the devil, God always wins. That's why I believe in Matthew chapters 8 and 9. Well, they're included in here because it chronicles every loss of Satan. Nothing is too hard for God. Oh, yes, except dealing with your will. He cannot do anything against your will. He must be invited in to help you. If you invite him, God will use that explosive power to fight for you. Indeed, he will give it to you power will come and abide in you. You're not left to fight the devil on your own, no matter what your problem is, no matter what you're dealing with in life. Romans 8 says, what shall then we, we say about these things? If God be for us, who can be against us? Ephesians chapter 6 verses 10 and 11 says these words, finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God, so that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. John Wesley was looking for 100 Christians who feared nothing but sin and desired nothing but God, and they would rock the world for Christ. Jesus is still looking for such men and women today. Will you choose to become one of them? Billy Sunday once said, we have a God who delights in impossibilities. In Matthew, chapter 10, Jesus multiple times said, fear not, fear not, don't fear. But you know, in this world, we've got such a quagmire of sin. We're, we're bogged down so many times. It's really difficult to, to begin getting a grasp on this until we actually begin looking at the size of God. When you begin seeing the size of your God, you see that determines, determines the success of your transformation journey. Children of Israel had that real problem too. They, they ended up 
at the borders of the promised land. God said, hey, it's all yours. I've given it to you. Take it. Just go in and possess it. Well, the first thing they had to do is send in spies. Forty days, the spies are in there, and on the way out, I get the idea that one of them, they, they looked and said, wow, look, look, here comes the spies, Mom, here comes the spies. Between those two spies, they had one pole and one monster cluster of grapes. Can you imagine it took two guys to carry a cluster of grapes? That's kind of like, hey, come on over to my house, we'll split a grape, you know? And uh, it was everything that God said it was. It, it, it was marvelous. But then one of the guys said, nevertheless, nevertheless, there's giants in the land. And another one said, yeah, we're like grasshoppers in our own sight. We're like tiny grasshoppers. We can never go in and possess the land. And they whined and they cried and they, they wept all night long, even though two of the spies had said, we're well able to go in and take it over. We're well able to do this. And so God said, fine. And for 40 years, they continued to journey. Every one of them died off. Every one of them, you know, they didn't possess the promised land, even though it was all about God and God said, you can do it. They lost out on the promised land. What, see, when you believe that nothing significant can happen through you, you've said more about your relationship and about God than you really said about yourself. It, it was such a problem, such a terrible situation, but it's been that way, seems like, throughout history. Jesus and the disciples got on a boat. You know, we've got a more modern boat today, but they got on a boat, and they're out there, and these seasoned fishermen are rowing, and they're, they're rowing, and pretty soon the, 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 the wind blows off of the lake, or down to the lake, and, and the, the waves are whipping up higher and higher and higher, and these seasoned fishermen, they're about ready to drown. I mean, I mean, it's looking pretty critical for them. And they look around, and all of a sudden, there's a big old flash of lightning, and they see Jesus in the back of the boat, and guess what? What do you think Jesus is doing? He's sound asleep. He's asleep in the back of the boat. And one of the disciples, they get up from their rowing and runs to the back of the boat and says, Lord, don't you care? We're going to die. <laughs> what do you think? Did Jesus really care? Yeah, Jesus really did care. You know, he, he, all along, he said, fear not. You know, the creator God of the universe was in the boat with him. And Jesus said, oh, you of little faith. He stood up, held his hands out, and says, Peace be still. And billions and billions of gallons of water raging a revolutionary storm on the Sea of Galilee just smoothed out like a mirror. And all the boats around him in close proximity said, What manner of man is this? Even the winds and the waves obey him. Well, he's God incarnate. He, he took off his kingly robes, stepped into, stepped into humanity to save us. But he's still God also. He can do anything God wants to do. And he can do anything in us. You see, remember, he chose to die for you. And that's how special you are. When you, when you ask for help, <laughs> all of heaven will be there to assist you. When you ask to be remodeled and transformed into his image, he'll answer your prayer because he has the power. On the mountaintop, our Lord laid out his desire for us to be separate from sin, to stop following every whim of the devil. The moment he came down from the mountaintop, the devil hit Jesus with everything he had. <laughs> but it was useless. God is the all-time undefeated champion of the world. He never loses. He's asking you to live a life fully committed to Him, to serving Him, to dispel the sin and the darkness in your life by inviting Him in, allowing Him to kick the devil out. <laughs> when you're standing upon the shoulders of God, there are no giants in the land. Right now, ask Him to change you, change you this moment. You will be happy you did, and remember, when the will of man cooperates with the will of God, 
it becomes one all-powerful will. Thank you.